Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can join me here every Monday throughout the entire football season, recapping college football action, the NFL Sunday slate, and getting you set up for Monday night football. Check out Capital Ale House here for all the big sporting events because they lo- they own the late night. Take advantage of the late night menu, including half-off appetizers and more here at Capital Ale. And from the production room is Stubb running the ones and twos. Stubb, how was your weekend? Good. I went out a ton. This was a very busy weekend for me. <laughs> really? Where'd you hit? I uh, hit River City Roll, which you know, because okay. we almost ran into each other. I hit Buddies. I hit uh, New York Deli, and I hit Home Sweet Home. Oh, wow. Oh, did you try the wings at Home Sweet Home? I did not. It was it was pretty late by the time I was there, so I just yeah. got like a whiskey shot, and that was it. So I worked the VCU game on Friday. That was disappointing. We'll get to that later on in the show as Norfolk State comes into the Seagull Center and defeats the Rams by three. But I really enjoyed watching all of the college football action on Saturday. I mean, there were a ton of really good games, including that Alabama-Georgia thriller. Stubb, did you watch any of the college football championship weekend? Yeah, I caught some of that uh, Alabama-Georgia game uh, because it was playing uh, when I was getting food at River City Roll. It was that was an exciting game. Yeah, I am shocked that Georgia was left out of the college football playoffs as the committee has voted. Number one, Michigan, 13-0. Number two, Washington, 13-0. Those two were the locks, right? You go undefeated, you win your championship, you're in. Well, Florida State went undefeated and won their championship. And in the first time in college football playoff history, an undefeated Power 5 champion failed to finish in the top four. Texas wins the Big 12, only one loss on the season, and they beat Alabama, gets in at three. And Alabama, after the win against Georgia in the SEC championship and a one-loss Alabama squad, gets in as the fourth-ranked team. And a lot of people were upset about this. I was not. I feel like this is going to lead to some really good football in the college football playoffs. I get it. Florida State representing the ACC had a tremendous season, but they lost their quarterback, Jordan Travis. And not only that... They're in the ACC, right? And as much as I like the ACC because of UVA and Virginia Tech, we all know the SEC is the king of college football. And that's why I thought that the best four would have been Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Alabama. Georgia was number one all year long. They're coming off of multiple national championships. And you just leave them out because they lose a thriller by three to Alabama? Um, I get it. They wanted that game to mean something, just like last week, Michigan-Ohio State. I, I disagree. Um, I, I think if we're just coming off and talking about who's the most talented college football teams this year, like I said, number one and two are Michigan and Washington. After that, I think it is Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then comes Florida State, right? In my opinion, even though Florida State was 13-0, and they played an easy ACC schedule, and it's not like they were blowing teams out left and right. In fact, uh, it took a couple close victories for them to stay undefeated. And they don't have their quarterback. And so uh, everybody wants to know, hey, is it the top four teams or is it the top four most deserving teams? Florida State probably one of the four most deserving teams. 
but the college football committee didn't believe that they are one of the most talented teams. Uh, I, I just thought that there was no way you could hold out Texas right after their 12-1, and win the Big 12 championship, and they beat Alabama on the season. I thought there was no way you could hold out Alabama after they have only one loss all season, get to the SEC championship game, and defeat Georgia. And, and so uh, I just feel like they really did not have that much of a decision to make here. You have to put Alabama in there. It's Alabama. It's iconic. It's roll tide. I mean, it's the freaking uh, best college football uh, franchise in the past 20 years. So you had to include them. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh said Sunday, we're going against the best. Speaking of Michigan against Alabama, tradition, two true bloods of football facing off against each other with Michigan facing off against Alabama. And look, Jordan Travis, obviously very upset with the way things uh, turned out. He took to social media to say that he thought he wished he had gotten hurt earlier in the season so that the committee could have seen this FSU team 13-0 is a lot better than just their quarterback. Uh, but I do think it comes down to the strength of the schedule, and that's why the ACC is so screwed, right? In the last few years, Clemson hasn't been as good all right, as they once were. Florida State took a step back. Um, you know, so many other teams in the ACC, like Virginia Tech, were not once uh, what they once were. But the thing is, is that Florida State went undefeated in the ACC, goes undefeated through the season, beats LSU, and it's not enough, which makes everybody realize, yeah, the ACC is screwed. If you're in the ACC, you need to find a way to get out and get into the Big 12, the Big 10, or the SEC because those are the football conferences that get respect from the college football playoff committee. The good news is, is this is the last year that we will have to deal with just four teams in the college football playoffs. Next year, it will be up to 12, and that would be a ton of fun to watch as there really will be no questioning whether your team deserves to be in it or not when they expand to 12. But here we are with four, and there are a lot of upset teams and fan bases with Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and Texas being the top four vying for this year's college football playoff title. I'm I'm excited for Texas. I, I really am. Uh, that fan base is a ton of fun, led by quarterback Quinn Ever Ewers, who got hurt last year, came back this year, led the Longhorns to 12-1, and won the Big 12 championship by a lot, right? I think that was a part of it also, is they won their championship by a ton. They looked so good. Texas, in my opinion, looked like the best college football team that played this weekend. I think Michigan second, Washington with a big clutch victory at the end of the game, and then Alabama continuing with the Milrow miracle against Auburn, puts them into the championship game against Georgia, and they just played so well. And that's the thing about Alabama is that, once again, they dominated in the trenches, and that has what has made this program so good for so long. We talk about with Washington, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. They've got boys like that every single year. And when they play to their expectations, when they play at the level that Saban can coach them to, there's really no stopping Alabama. They're just so talented. And There was a clip I saw, Stubb. Maybe you can pull it from Nick Saban before the game, just hyping up Alabama, talking about, hey, this is our game. We go out and win our game. We, we're the ones that play in this game every single year, and we're going to prove all the haters wrong. And so they got the win, and the next time you'll see Alabama play will be in the Rose Bowl against number one, Michigan, and then later that night, number two, Washington, hosting number three, Texas, with a shot at the championship 
on the line. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. If you're an upset Florida State fan, I want to hear from you. If you're an upset Georgia Bulldog, I want to hear from you. If you're Ohio State, Oregon, on the outside looking in and you want to chime in on how the committee decided to go with Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama as the top four, give me a call. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. A lot of people upset that the SEC got a team in there. I'm not at all. I respect the SEC when it comes to college football, and I believe they were deserving. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, following a crazy weekend in the NFL. I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, getting you set up for Monday night football. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline to go around the NFL is Mark Schofield. What's going on, Mark? What's going on, Adam? How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing okay. I'm a little frustrated by my commanders who have now lost four straight. And, you know, we talked about this on my show on Saturday in Washington, D.C., and I want to get your take on this. Were my expectations too high, expecting this team to be a 7-8 and eight win team that's hovering around 500? Was that too much of expectations? I don't think those expectations were too high. I was in a similar boat with you with respect to this commander's team coming into the season. There was a thought that with Eric the enemy in the fold that you were going to get offensive production that you needed to win games in today's NFL. There was also a thought that this defense was going to be able to hold, sort of hold up its end of the bargain. Now, obviously, look, they've gone in a different direction. They've traded away two big defensive pieces in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. And while Sam Howell has been good at times, they've had problems protecting him, number one. Number two, he's invited pressure, invited sacks, and so the offensive production hasn't sort of materialized. I don't think the expectations were too high. I think it's more a matter of the players on the field, the coaching staff, and yes, now given what they've done from a roster construction standpoint, the results didn't follow. The expectations were right. It's everything that came after that that didn't materialize the way we thought. Mark Schofield with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. It is a Monday, December 4th. And, Mark, who's the top team in the NFL right now? I think at this very moment it's the San Francisco 49ers. And I know that seems like a departure from where we were a couple of weeks ago. They don't have the best record in the NFL. But what we saw last night, you know, late yesterday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field was the best team in football showing us that, you know, when it comes time to kick things off, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, two of the other teams in the league right now that you might say have a case. 49ers beat both of those teams rather handily. 49ers yeah. can cause problems for you on the defensive side of the ball with Chase Young in the fold, with everybody else that they have up front. They could beat you a number of different ways offensively, whether it's Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, who I think is sort of the glue guy that holds that offense together, maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves, George Kittle. And, yes, we can be honest, Brock Purdy is playing the quarterback position at an extremely high level, and there are <laughs> Brock Purdy MVP takes floating around social media today. They look like the best team in football right now. But with how topsy-turvy this season has been, we might add two or three more teams to that discussion before this season gets over. No, I, I totally agree. And the way the Cowboys are playing, I think Dak is in that conversation for MVP as well. Who would you give it to if the season ended today? I mean, look, I made the case for Dak late last week. I think that game against Seattle 
was the kind of game that some of the DAC detractors, of which there are many, were waiting to see, right? Because it was, oh, their defense is so great. Oh, you know, Bland is playing so well on the defensive side of the ball. He's scoring points for you. How can you give it to Dak? Like, let's see what this, you know, what Dak does in a close game. Does he have a comeback drive in the fourth quarter? Does he have a fourth quarter come behind win? Well, that's what he delivered last Thursday night. I think that was sort of his MVP statement case. You know, some other names that I think deserve consideration. You know, I, if you want to put Brock Purdy in our conversation, okay. But I sort of think that, yeah. you know, in that offense, if you're going to give it to somebody, it's Christian McCaffrey. He's kind of the straw that stirs that drink. He's the engine that makes that offense go. I think he merits some consideration. A couple of weeks ago, I would have made a case for Miles Garrett. And I believe I made that case on this show. I said, look, the Browns are winning games 13-10 based on their defense. And Miles Garrett is the reason why. But then, look. Rams just hung 39 on them yesterday. I think it's hard to go down that road. So right now, I think Dak is probably the person that would get my vote. we got a long way to go before those votes are turned in. How do you think the wild card positions are going to shake out in the NFC? And My, my producer make a, made a strong case for the Green Bay Packers to be the seven, maybe even jump up to the sixth seed in the NFC. And as much as I believe in the Seahawks uh, to get back into the playoffs, they're right now on the outside looking in with the matchup against the 49ers next week. So it really doesn't get that much easier for the Seahawks to close the season. No, it doesn't. Seattle has such a tough schedule coming up. I mean, they've got this game of the 49ers, and you know, as we sort of just talked about, they are a team that is a tough matchup. Then they get the Eagles after that. I mean, it gets a little easier from there. They get Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Arizona, but those next two games could be really tough for them. You know, there's a case to be made for the Rams. I mean, they're sort of back now in the hunt, sitting at 6-6. Six and six. They come to Baltimore this week, though. That's going to be a tough one for them. But it does get a little bit better the next three. They get Washington, New Orleans, and Giants. But they finish at the 49ers, which might be tough. I think the Packers, given their schedule, I mean, these are their last five games. Giants, Buccaneers, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. Those are five yeah. very winnable games for how they're playing right now. So I think they're going to get themselves into it. I think Minnesota has a somewhat favorable schedule as well. The only sticking point might be, you know, if the Lions find themselves in a position to maybe make a run at the one seed, which could happen, you know, the Vikings get the Lions twice. That might be tough for them um, with Detroit playing, you know, pretty good football right now. But I think the Packers have put themselves in a very good position to lock down a playoff spot now. Speaking of the Packers, did you have any issues with the officiating in the game last night against the Chiefs? I know a lot of people were upset about the no defensive pass interference call. Yeah, I mean, look, that looked like a DPI to me. I mean, that looked like passive deference. The defender was certainly there early. But I do appreciate the way Patrick Mahomes approached it. He said after the game, look, you know, we've got to make plays. I've got to make plays. You know, there are missed calls all the time. But as an offense, as a quarterback, as a leader of this team, I've got to go out and make plays. I still have opportunities to make throws and win the game after that. I think it was DPI. There's a lot of discussion, you know, in the past 12, 24 hours about the officiate in the NFL, it seemed like there were a lot of missed calls, you know, from the early games on Sunday all the way through Sunday night football. Certainly that DPI stands out. You know, there was the, you know, the late hit, quote unquote, on Mahomes along the sideline where it looked like, you know, he's not yet out of bounds. The defender had already sort of committed to the tackle. You know, it didn't seem like that deserved a flag as well. Um, there were a lot of missed calls on Sunday. There were certainly missed calls in that game Sunday night. But I do appreciate the way Mahomes approached it, basically saying we still had a chance to win and we didn't get it done. 
Let's look over to the AFC playoff picture before we let you go, Mark. And right now the three wild card teams are all 7-5, and five, the Steelers, the Browns, and the Colts. The Texans have been playing really good football on the outside looking, and Denver kind of turned their season around, giving themselves a shot. And then the Buffalo Bills. Uh, of the teams that are on the outside looking in, Houston, Denver, and Buffalo, which of them has the best chance to get into the postseason and why? I do think it's Houston in the sense that they've got games coming up against the Browns and against the Colts. So they've got a chance to sort of take care of business on their own. I know the Tank Dell injury is going to be tough to overcome because he and C.J. Stroud had built such a relationship and such chemistry already. So you're going to wonder how they're going to replace that production. Now they still have playmakers. Nico Collins certainly comes to mind. He had a big catch, a couple big plays yesterday. But the, the Texans have a chance to sort of control their own destiny here. And I think you look at that win against Denver where, you know, maybe the offense didn't create enough, you know, production-wise, but your defense got the three interceptions. You had the interception lane. Will Anderson Jr. is a disruptive force. Had a couple of sacks yesterday. Seemed like he was in backfield all day long. They've got a couple of different ways to beat you now as a team. And so this was a game. It was a playoff-type atmosphere, a big win for them, a young team, but they found a way to win. I think that's going to be a big thing for them going forward to build on. That's Mark Schofield. Follow him on social media at Mark Schofield. Read his work, SBNation.com. That's at SBNation on Twitter. So it's a given that the Commanders will have a new head coach next year. Ron Rivera will be fired most likely the day after the Super Bowl. Uh, Throw out a few names that you'd like to see take over in Washington. Well, I mean, I think you start with Eric Bieniemy. I mean, and I'm curious to see if they they decide to make a move sooner rather than later and give Eric Bieniemy a chance to sort of have a – you know, a trial run here at being an NFL coach here in Washington. You sort of give him a chance to show what he can do as a head coach. Now, maybe they're deciding, look, we're going to ride this out, get the best draft position out of it, and Eric Bieniemy could perhaps be, you know, the head coach at the end of it all. So I certainly think Eric Bieniemy is in the discussion. I think sort of on the offensive-minded, you know, offensive coordinator list, you're looking at Ben McDonald's. Uh, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, who I just mentioned, he was in that sort of interview cycle last offseason. And I'd imagine if he does want to be a head coach, Washington would certainly reach out. Kellen Moore has been rumored to be in the sort of head coach and waiting game. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't get some interviews going forward, although he could be an option for the Chargers. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, has certainly gotten a lot of discussion. You know, so those are some names that I would look at. Of course, there's the big wild cards out there, the big names that you probably know I'm going to next. Bill Belichick has been in the mix, has been in the discussion for potential, you know, coming to Washington once things go south, and it looks like they have gone south in New England. We're all sort of wondering about Jim Harbaugh's future. Does he make a move to the NFL? That's been rumbled about right. for years now. It seems like Chicago would be the landing spot, but maybe he decides to come to Washington and then Lincoln Riley. What does Lincoln Riley decide to do, especially if Washington gets themselves into the quarterback mix? And we already heard today, Caleb Williams has not played in their bowl game. Seems to indicate that he's going to be coming out. Does Lincoln Riley move with him? So those are some names I would watch for the Washington job coming here into the winter. Mark, great stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a great week, my friend. Enjoy the game tonight. Yep, sounds good. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. Welcome back. 
I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, always available on the go on the Odyssey app, downloaded today for free, and it gives you the ability to rewind, pause the show, pick up right where you left off. And on the free Odyssey app, downloaded today, you can hear the sports junkies from 6 to 10 a.m. I know I always wake up late and rewind to hear what the junks have to say, especially here on a misery Monday. And joining me right now, on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, a legend in the DMV. It's JP Flame. What's going on, JP? What's up, Adam? I'm I'm so upset, JP, that I guess my expectations were so high with Washington and so wrong. I, I just was hoping that we could be a seven or an eight win team, and now it looks like we're gonna finish with just four, maybe five wins at the end of the season. Yeah, it's brutal. I had them as a seven win team before the season. Because I thought the quarterback, being young, would struggle, and I thought the defense was going to carry him. I couldn't have been more wrong. Now, the quarterback has been up and down, and we'll see how he plays out the rest of the season. But the defense has been putrid. I looked at the last month. They've been outscored 150-70 to in the last four games. Yeah, they haven't even been in the game. That's what's so frustrating. Like watching last yesterday, I was thinking, man, can we just keep it close by halftime? We're down seventeen nothing, and then thirty-one to seven at the half, and the team has just completely regressed and not even in the hunt. And to me, that's crazy, JP. When you see teams like the Packers, the Falcons, and the New York Giants with a better shot getting in the postseason than Washington. Well, let's be clear: the Giants don't have a shot at making the postseason, but the Packers do, and. The reality is some of these teams are just more talented than the Washington Commanders. We talked about this on the Junkies today. If you think about elite talent, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but if you watch the games yesterday, the biggest game in the NFL, the Eagles against the 49ers, you see guys like Debo Samuel making huge plays, elite players. And we like guys like Terry McLaurin. We like some of the players on this team, but they don't have true elite difference makers. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go all the way that far with Terry McLaurin yet. I mean, I get it. He's been disappointing this season, but just last year he had three game-winning touchdown grabs. And I do think with a good quarterback and a decent offensive line, he can be an elite wide receiver in the NFL. problem is Jahan Dotson's taking a step back. And Curtis Samuel shines, and then he disappears for a few games. But Ron Rivera has told everybody in the media that this roster that he's built is better than before he took over. I would just disagree. JP, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this again this morning. If you look at what Ron inherited, right, he takes over a 3-13. and He leads them to the playoffs his first year despite the losing record. And the expectations were they're going to improve upon that and get better each year. And it just hasn't happened. And he's likely right. to walk away with a 13-loss team if they don't win another game this year. If they finish 4-13, and well, how different is that than the end of the Gruden slash Callahan era Every era seems to end this way for the Washington franchise with a tailspin. I said this a month ago. We saw the end of the Shanahan era and similarly, and the end of the Gruden era and similarly, and it's looking like this is going to be a spectacular crash once again. Yeah, I think most people would argue Ron Rivera has been one of the worst, if not the worst, coaches in the NFL this season. Who would you consider the best coach this season in the NFL? I think there are a lot of choices. I mean, Dan Campbell's done a great job, obviously, with the Detroit Lions. Then there are some guys like D'Amico Ryans, who has a Houston Texans team on the precipice of a playoff spot, and nobody would have expected that. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of good coaches uh, this season. The Texans have really surprised me. I didn't think C.J. Stroud uh, was going to be the answer there, but he has really proven me wrong. Uh, Eagles 49ers, great game. Uh, 49ers get the win, but if they rematch in the playoffs, once again from the link, who are you taking? You know what? It's hard not to pick the Niners when they're healthy. Um, Debo Samuel last year after the Niners didn't have a healthy Brock Purdy, said, hey, let's run it back and see what happens if we have Purdy. Well, they had five straight possessions with touchdowns yesterday. It was super impressive to see what they did yesterday in Philadelphia against an Eagles team. That, let's be honest, the Eagles team the last month, they've pulled out wins, but they've had a lot of close games, and they've been yeah. somewhat fortunate. I'll give them credit. Jalen Hurts is a true stud, but they've been somewhat fortunate to pull out all of these wins. I think – on paper, and the game is not played on paper, the 49ers are the more talented team. So if there's a rematch, I would lean towards the Niners so long as they've got Trent, Willis, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel healthy. J.P. Flame with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Clean Hotline. Check him out on the Junkies Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. J.P., who would you give the NFL MVP award to right now? Man, I know that the betting favorites are guys like Hurts, I think Mahomes drops down after last night. But yeah. we're talking about the Niners. Take a look at Brock Purdy's efficiency. People say he's a system quarterback. Well, he's running that system to perfection. Another four touchdowns last night. So I think you got to look at him. Alternatively, if you don't go quarterback, we saw this yesterday. Tyreek Hill should be yeah. considered as an MVP candidate. No, I, I totally agree, and it's been fun to have him on my fantasy team uh, this season. So we've got five weeks of the season to go, and the Commanders aren't in the hunt here, so I need to give myself something to cheer for, something to watch on Sundays. My producer has gone all in on Josh Dobbs. He loves Josh Dobbs, and he's rooting for the Vikings. Has JP picked a team that you're going to support this postseason? Well, let me tell your producer this. Dobbs may not even start in their next game. Have they made a decision at <laughs> quarterback? The last thing they said after Dobbs had that dud was they were going to get Jefferson back in the lineup and they were going to figure out which quarterback gave Jefferson the best chance to succeed because that, of course, gives the team the best chance to succeed. So don't just ride Dobbs if he's not even going to start. They might go yeah, Stubb, how do you BYU. respond to that? <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately agree that I don't think he's going to start, but <laughs> again, I've been You're a Vikings just... <laughs> fan for three weeks, so <laughs> can't be too committed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're a free agent fan looking for a team to follow, you know, in the NFC, and I know if you're a Commanders fan, you can't go with the Cowboys. They're a fun, explosive team to follow. <laughs> but maybe you go with the Niners if you want a front run. I guess it just kind of depends on what kind of fan you want to be. Over in the AFC, you know, if you want to stay local, go with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They're going to be an absolute contender. They might be the one seed in the AFC. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But they're definitely going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, it's interesting the way the season has kind of played out. Everyone thought Buffalo had a chance to be a contender. I don't think they get into the postseason. They're 6-6 six and six with the date against the angry Chiefs next week, JP. Yeah, the Bills have a brutal schedule. They get in there, a scary team. But that's how you kind of have to look at this. A lot of it is who do you play, right? The Eagles may not end up being the one seed because if you look at their schedule – They've got the Cowboys. They have some really tough, tough games up in the schedule now. It gets soft the last three weeks, but we saw them get through a little bit of a gauntlet until this week. 
with a little bit of a hiccup. They got the one-game lead, but we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. JP, you guys cover the ACC when you talk to Bill Roth for Virginia Tech. So before I let you go, I want to ask you, are you upset for the ACC with Florida State going 13-0 undefeated and missing the college football playoffs? I said, I think Alabama's more deserving. Same with Texas. I don't care that Florida State won all their games. They're in the ACC, which hasn't been good enough in the last three years. I'm not somebody that's going to cry for a conference. I root for teams, <laughs> and I don't have a particular passion for Florida State. But I think they were boned. <laughs> I understand that they lost their quarterback. Valdez made a great point on the show today. Um, you win games in many different ways. All right? Maybe they don't have their starting quarterback. Because the, 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 the narrative is if he was healthy, they're in the college football playoffs competing for a championship, right? If, right. if they've got their quarterback, they're going to be one of the top four teams. Well, he goes down. They've won the last two games. And if you look at what the defense did against Louisville, who has a pretty good offense, they're a top 25 team. They shut them down to six points. So you don't credit a team. Look, they're in a Power 5 conference. They won all their games. It's not ideal that they don't have their starting quarterback. But this happened to Ohio State a few years ago. JT Barrett goes down. Cardale Jones fills in. They win the national championship. It's unfortunate they're not even going to have a shot at it. And I yeah. think as a fan, not of any of the particular teams in the college football playoff or the teams that missed, what happens if Florida State beats Georgia and then you see this championship play out? It's going to be a big what if. What if yeah. Florida State had been given a chance? Well, I, I think I would argue that when you look at the ACC, I mean, Clemson was bad this year. Second place was Louisville uh, in year two under a new head coach. NC State was third place. I just think the ACC didn't get any respect, and I get it. Florida State beat LSU. Uh, they needed to schedule Georgia or Alabama uh, to get into the playoffs, even though they went 13-0. I would even argue that even if um, their quarterback stays healthy, you still have to put Alabama in because they won the SEC, and the SEC is the college football championship conference it has been for the last 10 years and i just think to leave out alabama and georgia would have been a complete crime well fortunately we won't have to worry about it next year when they put 12 teams in the college football playoff but a team was going to get screwed and i do think florida state got screwed jp always appreciate it man thanks so much all right boss continue thriving yep you're listening to awad radio here on the new sports radio 910 the fan now at 105 1fm welcome back I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a Misery Monday, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can check me out here every Monday throughout the football season, live and local, from 12 to 3 p.m. And one of my loyal listeners is here, and he told me, Terry McLaurin is elite and an awesome receiver who got 1,000 yards twice with Taylor Heineke as he enjoys a beer here at Capital Ale House. Yeah, I agree. I don't think McLaurin is the issue, and I would not question the talent that he is at the wide receiver position. I'd more question the play calling from Eric Bieniemy. How do you not get your best player involved? And number two, that's what happens when you're working with a young quarterback who's inconsistent and an offensive line that can't cover anybody. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Last night, the Eagles lost to the 49ers. Well, they've added help. According to Adam Schefter, Philadelphia has signed former Colts All-Pro Shaq Leonard to a one-year deal with the Eagles. He visited two teams, Philadelphia and the Dallas Cowboys. He is expected to play Sunday night at Dallas 
versus the Cowboys, the other team that he visited. So we'll see how Philadelphia's defense improves with the help of linebacker Shaq Leonard. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. Let's go to the phone lines here. We've got Greg in Quinton. Where's Quinton? What's up, Greg? Yeah, we're down here in New Kent, Virginia. Okay. If you're familiar with that at all. Um, But I just wanted to say, everybody jumps the gun uh, on how – on his performance and ratings and so forth, which I think he's a a, a really good deal for what we got for fifth round. Um, if, as far as I can remember back, to, you know, it's from the 90s at least, Ramsey, Campbell, all these quarterbacks that we got first round, great, these great prospects, everything, they all had a horrible line blocking. Yeah. As soon as the ball was hiked, they are running for their lives. And I haven't seen that fixed since then. No. We've had some no, great that's a, don't such a great point. It's a such a great point because I have vivid memories watching Jason Campbell growing up and being like, man, he can really sling it if he's not constantly running for his life. Exactly. Patrick Ramsey before him, same thing. Yeah. Every time the ball was hiked, he was running, and it ruined these quarterbacks. And, and my point is, is that you know, it, 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 I think if we got our offensive line. It's halfway decent. I think that you're going to see a, a lot better how consistently. And so I, that's that's where my point was. So what do you want to see from Sam Howell over the final few weeks of the season? I just want to see him uh, – I want to see him get rid of the ball quicker. Sometimes he yeah. seems to hold on to it. Even, you know, the line seems like sometimes they're giving him some time. And, and, and um, I'd like to see something like that happen. Um, it, 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 I, I love his calmness. And, and how bad things doesn't affect him mentally. It seems like he he could keep uh, going forward. Um, but besides that, yeah, just getting rid of the ball quicker. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I watch Sam Howe, sometimes it frustrates me or it feels like he's always looking for the home run shot. He's always looking downfield. And sometimes he's got Gibson and Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel underneath, and it's just like, hey, man, take five yards and move on. Stop trying to force it, and you're holding on to the ball too long because you want to hit the home run pass. I, I agree. I don't. I don't. Uh, and also, I, I, you know, in my opinion, I think we should be running the ball more. I mean, yeah. it, it's just this constant. And, and that's you know, it's, it's like you're giving him more of a chance to get an interception, and all that stuff's going to go higher. Also, but yeah, let's run the ball more and and, and get some more uh, quick passes. Yeah, and it's a terrible situation for Sam Howell. I appreciate the call. Thanks for chiming in. Eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. Good call, Greg. Eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. I think. A lot of the issues right now are the head coach, right? You know, Jay Gruden shouting out on, on Twitter yesterday, four to five years now, figured the culture would be, would have been different. And I think a lot of fans feel that way, is that Ron Rivera kind of got to the podium week after week and said, hey, have I fixed the culture? Have Are we building something here uh, in this locker room with the talent that we have? And I do think that now here we are, the end of the Ron Rivera era, I'm changing my mind on everything. No, I don't think you've built a culture. It's not a winning culture. It's not a winning organization. Talent-wise, I don't think we're much improved than where we were before you got here. Heck, your number two overall pick was Chase Young. Where is he at now in San Francisco? Uh, your number one overall pick, Emmanuel Forbes, stink in the bed. Jahan Dotson, can't catch the ball anymore. Jamin Davis, way overrated as a starting linebacker. And so we're seeing the product of a head coach here that had too much power as the GM involved in ownership with the changing of the guard. They let him 
draft the players, they let him sign his free agents, and that's what we're seeing. Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera, the talent evaluator, is where he failed us most as a Skins head coach. Yes, he failed us calling the defense. He totally failed us not throwing a challenge flag. I totally believe we beat the Eagles that game if he simply throws the challenge flag. But I think the reason he failed most in Washington was the amount of hats that he was wearing as the commander-in-chief of the Washington Commanders. Too many bad draft picks, bad free agent pickups, and sticking with quarterbacks that are not good enough like Carson Wentz. Just so frustrating. Stubb, and here we are now. we got to do like four and five more weeks of this, and I just want Ron Rivera to be fired, and it doesn't seem like I'm going to get my wish. No matter how many losses they get and no matter how embarrassing it is, Josh Harris is going to hold on till the end of the season. Yeah, if he's not out yet, they're they're not getting rid of him until the end. Yeah, That would be a, a real shock. I know, I know. And I just think that it would be the best thing for the organization moving forward if you get somebody in there to give some kind of positive momentum because I get what they're saying, and, and Michael Phillips made a great point with this when he called in. They want the job to look like a great job. How do you make it look like a great job? You let Ron Rivera steer them off the tracks and say, oh, yeah, but you've got uh, five picks in the first 100. You've got all this cap space. It's easier to get the train back on the track. And if you hire a head coach before the end of the season, then maybe they would figure it out. And because of that, it's not as big of a destination for other head coaches. Um, I just think the issue for Washington this offseason is going to be the amount of franchises that have more cap space, or a better quarterback moving forward. Like, if I'm a top head coaching candidate, I am absolutely, absolutely looking at the Chargers, right? This is a Chargers team that feels to me like they're a head coach away from being a wild card team, if not a contender, in the AFC. 833 8330910. Let's go back to the phone lines. Got a quick call on line one. It is Spider John. What's going on, Spider John? Hey there, buddy. How you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. I Happy Monday, know, right? Yeah, you What's too. I, I mean, I, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. I yeah. wish I could think of one good thing that Ron Rivera has done. I mean, it's almost like he is the antithesis of of a coach. I mean, he's just so bad, and I think he has done a, a terrible job. I mean, it's unreal. Yeah, nothing to no. look forward to. It, there's nothing to look forward to. There's no nothing to be positive about towards the end of the season. Just root for the team to lose, which to me is infuriating. I mean, you look at Forbes this year. Forbes, I mean, we had, a, had an opportunity to get some really good ball players in that yeah. first round, and we took a guy that probably would have been a second or third rounder. I, I'm I mean, with he's you. Not big enough to play in, the, in with the big guys. Right. It's frustrating. Right. Yeah, I mean, just look how many draft picks that Ron Rivera has failed on. And uh, it's frustrating that here year. we are in the middle year of a lame duck season. He just had no shot. No shot. Yeah, well, I just wanted you to know you weren't uh, talking uh, without some support out there. I mean, I'm, I'm commis- you know, misery loves company, so I figured yeah. I'd give you a call and give you a little misery. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Spider right. John. Thanks for chiming in. Loyal member of the AWOD Army. You can always tweet us at 910thefan or at AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air as we're all kind of venting here on a misery Monday. And I just think the reason the fan base is so upset is because we had expectations that were like 500, and that was too much to ask for. Too much to ask to be 500 
at this point in the season under Ron Rivera. Appreciate everybody calling in in the show today. Thanks to all the help I got here at Capital Ale House in Innsbruck. You can catch me tomorrow from 12 to 3 right here on The Fan. Stub, great work today. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.